Hey, this is Barbara Corker, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. This week's episode is on fire. We're talking about how to fire the wrong person. You didn't like them anyway. Careers that set your heart ablaze and how to fire up your sales performance as well. So have a listen. Hi, Barbara. My name is Tiffany. I'm from Southern California. I started a curated online marketplace for experienced female artists and artisans to sell and showcase their work. I launched the marketplace in March of 2021, and artists love it. They think it's fabulous. Uh, We get a ton of signups. We had over 200 sellers by the end of the year. However, we've been really slow to get sales. Uh, We get tons of traffic, but not a lot of conversions. I hired a marketing company a few months ago, and we're starting to get a few more sales, but at a very high cost per conversion. My question is, what can I be doing differently to target the right audience and get the website in front of higher-end customers with it all being online and not in an actual store? I appreciate your time. My husband, seven-year-old son, and I love watching you on Shark Tank. Thanks so much again. My first question is, do you ask for the email address when you first hear from the potential client? They're looking on your your web. Do you capture the email address right up front? So what we do is we we have a pop-up on our site to get the email address from somebody. Um, when somebody purchases, the, the email address does come through. Um, from what I've learned as far as uh, like privacy rights go, we can't immediately add them to a subscription list. But mm-hmm. I do try to reach out to people individually. I did that a few months ago. I think I emailed like 20 customers and I don't think anybody wrote me back. Um, But I do try to add that personal element whenever somebody orders. Only once they order. Yes, because otherwise I don't, I wouldn't have their, I mean, when when somebody subscribes to our website, uh, they get an automatic welcome email just from the company itself. And then we have uh, about 20 between 15 to 20 automated emails that they get from like an email subscription type thing. And so, so you have something like an e-commerce platform, not a market. Yes. I see. So when you said you hired a marketing company, you're not, you're getting more leads, but not enough. That was actually an e-commerce platform that automatically. Yes. What's the nature of the emails that you're sending out? How frequently are they? Uh, So what, what are you using as your messaging for it? So we use MailChimp and it just, so we get an automatic, they get an automatic email as soon as they sign up. Uh, They get an email the next day in regards to just kind of a general, this is what our website is. Here's a couple of our top artists that we want you to see. And then I try to space it out. I know for me, I don't really like receiving a lot of emails like one right on top of the other. So I try to space it out between three and five days. Mm -hmm. And then we basically take them on a tour of what our marketplace is. So we have six main selling categories. So each email will have like, here's paintings made by her, here's ceramics made by her. Mm -hmm. And we try and just take them through everything, then give them a really good grasp of what we sell. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got a few things sprinkled in there. Like this is the history of our company, things like that. Uh, But like I said, we probably have about 15 total that go out to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to take a stab at it, not knowing that I haven't been on it. Okay. It sounds to me that you're um, 
communicating to your own perspective versus theirs, like not walking in their shoes. I have found that when you're doing uh, short emails, they must be very short. So, you know, you're interrupting someone's day, you're barging in their door and getting their attention. And so having a longer tour of something, or these are all the new works of the artist or anything, it's very hard for people to want to take the second shot at taking the time to stop and have a look. I always think in the different businesses I've been involved in, people generally do better with very short, catchy emails that are clever, you know? Okay. Like grab their attention, uh, do one thing and do it fast. Like, hey, 10% off. I know that sounds tacky, but 10% off our Andy Warhol, whoever that is, you know, or Andy Warhol lookalike or whoever, however, however you're positioning your artist or one picture, like just in, or I think they have to be short, sweet, hit and run, hit and run, hit and run. Uh, okay. So you might want to look at the length of that because you're telling your story and giving them more content. But I generally find people want to ask for that. They don't want to serve to them unless they ask you. Uh, I might be wrong on that in your field because I've never been involved in an art field that curates the art and offers the artist's work, which I think sounds like such a good idea. Are there a, are, are there a lot of sites online that do that? I know there are poster sites printed art sites that I've been on. Is this original art that you're offering? It is original. So we are, a lot of people compare us to Etsy, um, but I, the whole reason that I created it is because I feel like Etsy has kind of turned into something different over the last few years. I used to sell on Etsy myself and now I feel like it's, it's just gotten too big and I feel like people can't really go on and find genuine uniquely handcrafted things and so that's why that's kind of where this whole idea came from Uh so yeah everything is original and that's why I try I mean the emails are pretty short it's pretty much just have you seen this section and we you know we send out some of our top favorites and then a link to the bottom Uh shop this collection Um, Uh just to kind of address your point on that but yeah it's it's all original there there are a lot of other So that's the funny thing. When I first started looking, I didn't really see a lot of other websites. Uh Now that I'm in the field and I kind of know what to look for, uh, there there are quite a few other ones. They're all a little bit different from what we're doing, but there there are other ones. I don't know of any other big ones other than, um, like I said, other than than Etsy. And even the paintings and prints part of our of our marketplace is actually pretty small we've been selling a lot of jewelry and bath products and ceramics really very different um, than what i pictured somehow oh yeah it's so it's i know it's a lot like of a little etsy refocus on art what was that it's more like a little etsy you have more variety than art per se oh yes oh yeah yeah we've got on those other websites do you send your email in and act as a customer so you could do a lot of reconnaissance work of seeing what they do how often what their messaging is what's clever what's not Uh, because there's nothing easier than knocking off somebody else's good stuff. That's very true. Uh, I have not done that yet. I've I've looked at their websites to see how they kind of lay them out. Uh And I've I've definitely not not copied theirs directly, but I've thought, oh, I really like that idea. Oh, I really like that shop local link or something like that. So I've done that, but I haven't signed up for their their email ads, to be honest. I would definitely, because that's where you're saying your problem is. So why not do knockoffs on what's working? I bet you uh, some of those owners, the better ones, probably have uh, given you their email and they're, they're watching what you're doing. So return the favor and know what everybody is doing there because you will find gold. Uh, what I would also do is I would also give my email to a lot of other kinds of 
art-related sites, large ones that are doing well, that have a lot of traffic, and watch what they're doing. I'm just a believer in being a copycat. I don't think I've ever had an original idea in my life. I just know how to steal them and make them my own. <laughs> you know, And I think it's just good business and it's open game and nothing's really private. Everybody's copying everybody, you know? What's the name of your business? It's made by her. Made by her. See, from that, I think that's a great name. I would have no idea what it is. Do you have a byline on it? We've played around with a bunch of them, to be honest. A lot of our Facebook ads say everything handmade, everything made by women, everything unique. Mm -hmm. It's a little lengthy for just like a logo somewhere. Um, some of our other logos just say online artists and marketplace. Mm -hmm. So that's what like our Facebook uh, banner at the top has. It's what our Instagram has. Mm -hmm. uh, it's what our tag is in our Instagram is the online artists and market marketplace. So if people retag it or repost it, mm -hmm. it'll show there. Mm -hmm. I think my biggest thing is not so much, I mean, definitely getting the conversions from, from the audience that we have, but also just reaching new audiences. Like, I feel like a lot of the, the, the people that we're getting, they're only looking for, you know, the 10 to $20 items, whereas the work is really, really high end. And so I'm trying to figure out how to get in front of some, I guess, people who are wanting to spend a little bit more on handmade items, not just what's the cheapest handmade thing that I can get, if that makes sense. Yes, it makes great sense. But that's another whole problem that's vastly different. You know, how to get the audience you really want to be shooting for. How about looking at it the other way? Can you offer a lot of material uh, that would appeal to the person that you already have in hand who's coming and having a look that you could hook them in on, have them uh, make more purchases? Can you offer a less expensive product? I mean, somehow it's very hard uh, to just decide who uh, you want your audience to be and reach them and get them playing, but you already have people playing with you. I always right. think it's easier to meet them where they want to be met with something okay. that would, can you do a cheaper version or a printed version or uh, a more uh, approachable version of what you'd like to offer? Because then you could trade people up more readily than, than change your customer totally. I think it's a hard thing to do. I just think yeah. it's a hard thing to do. It's like uh, a cheap department store wanting to go high priced with the same customer base. It's very hard. It's easier to uh, open a new line that allows them to buy at a cheap price and make them love you and then take them for the ride along the way with you. Okay. I don't know if you could look at it that way. Um, uh, by the way, I wanted to return to your line. Uh, I liked the line where you were going that first line, just because I want to tell you what I think. Um, where you said everything made by her. I love that. But I just think in that line, you, you missing the word artistic, everything artistic made by okay. her. Because when I hear that, I buy into the she thing and I buy, I know it's artistic. And I know everything is A to Z. You know, I don't know if your website offers A to Z, but everything is a big claim. Okay. Right. Everything artistic made by her. I like that. Okay. Um, I would ask my e-commerce, uh, my uh, my e-commerce platform. Like I, I know a number of my entrepreneurs use Clavio, and they are particularly strong, I think, on writing messaging in the voice of the entrepreneur. I don't know how your messages are coming across, whether they sound like you, whether they sound like someone who's in love with the art community. You have to be very careful of your voice. Is your face included in any way? Or is your face including your website and your communication? 
your no, name? No, it's on our about page. Uh, it's not, it's not on our communications exactly. I'll be honest. I, I didn't really want it to be about me. I wanted it to be more focused on the artists themselves. Um, okay. My husband did mention that I should probably put my name or my, my face on some of it, but I just, I don't know. And I'm open to your suggestion on it. I just I always felt like I didn't want it to come from me. I wanted their work to stand out more. Uh, but you know what? You think of yourself differently. You're the curator. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I get it where you don't want to take any of the limelight away from your real stars, which are your mm -hmm. artists that you adore. But someone's got to trust a voice and a face as to why they should buy something. And I haven't agree wholeheartedly with your husband. Uh, a, you're very attractive. B, uh, you're very well spoken. Both of that lends itself very well to short videos. Hey, it's me. Blah, blah, blah. Wait till you see this guy. I just be engaged with you. Tell me, wait till you see the way this guy does the moon or whatever the hell. I don't, I don't know what yeah. your pictures are. I would go, oh, and boom, one photo. Oh, I feel like I know you and I had a friendship and a trust. I think there's nothing more powerful than a personal story. And mm -hmm. your story as the artist, but I think the you has to be in there. I think it's going to, it sounds uh, too distant or curated to me if I was getting messaging from this company that right. curates artists. I, I think it oh, things are always satisfied by a personal touch, as long as you don't look ugly and sound weird, and you certainly don't, you know? So I think that's a good card you have that I would make hay with. Okay. Absolutely, you know? That makes sense. I just think so. Are you offering discounts, quick messaging for discounts with a short timeline? We're not. Um, we, we have in the past. So one thing the marketing company that we hired recommended was to offer a discount. The hard part for us, and I've, I've gone back and forth, is we don't really make that much off of each sale. Mm -hmm. And so if we offer a discount, it's either we're paying that like we're paying it because we still pay the artist out a hundred percent or do we tell the artist hey we're going to be running a sale and you're going to make 10 to 15 percent less on your purchase or on your product that you're selling and i haven't wanted to do that so it's and, and a lot of people have said well you just need to do it and you just need to pay for the sale and that way you'll get more customers so i've been thinking of doing of adding that again we did it a little bit in december where if you if they signed up for an email campaign that they would get um one was 15 one was 20 percent off and we actually only had about five out of 50 people use the discount code so i was kind of wondering like is this even working i'm not really sure um i, I don't think that's a bad return actually I'm not really okay. sure, but I don't think that's so bad. Okay. But I think uh, I think that's the way to go. But I think you need the words to sell the artist and an excuse to have those sales. So let's say you have February uh, 14th coming up. Okay. You look at your stable of artists, maybe say have something to do with love or whatever, or maybe nothing to do with love. And I think the approach to the artist is we have a number of artists with us who are going to be offering a 10% uh, discount for um, Valentine's Day because we notice we have an uptick in sales every year. Would you like your art included in that? We think it drives sales. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. I mean, if they don't sell it, they haven't given away the 10%, but I think you need to find excuses to run special promotions. And that's a powerful push to put out there. You know, okay. I, I think people receive it a little better, but I don't think you get 100% or anything. I don't think 10% is so bad on that return. Maybe ask your um, uh, your e-commerce platform for feedback on that. 
But you know what? Um, it would be great if you could sit on the other side of yourself in communication, like okay. uh, maybe put your husband's name or or your sister's name or, or your neighbor's name or your, your child's name and watch uh, what the communication is and see if you feel the blood and veins of a person communicating. I bet not. And art can be cold and intimidating. Sure. And I think people need that more than they do in other areas. Okay. You know, even though you do a lot more than art, it sounds like, you know, you do pot holders and things that mundane or. No, like, no, it's mostly like we've got ceramic mugs. We've got like vases. We've got really pretty like statement piece fiber art that can go on the wall. Uh -huh. um, it's, it's really more high end art. Like we have a, a craft show that's, um, I don't even want to call it a craft show. It's an art festival that's uh, local to us. And it's, it's really pretty. You walk in and there, it's, it's an outdoor event. It's got trees everywhere. It's got sawdust on the ground. And it's just, it's really magical. And there's like a glass blowing like event that you can watch. And it's just, everything is just so high end. It's not, we specifically don't, eventually we want like anybody that we say, like we really don't want beginners on our site. Yeah. We want them to work on their talent and then come back and join us. Uh, but it's really for people who've been in their craft for, for years. Terrific. Do you blast pieces of that out on your social media? And do you have someone other than you responsible for the social media postings? It's just me doing the social media postings. The marketing team that we hired did a couple of posts in the beginning. At first, I was really excited to have them do it and they really didn't turn out that well. Mm -hmm. um, so I just said, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll take it back on. Um, so I try to do- In my opinion, you shouldn't do either. You should find okay. somebody else to do it. A local kid, a high school kid, someone who's a super creative. You could bird dog it. You could watch it. But I do believe social media is always done better than anyone but the founder. Even if they're talented, artistic, and creative, I think they can start it. And the quicker you give it away and make it someone's job, so it keeps coming out and different ways of looking at it. How about this? How about that? Almost like a pain in the ass is always good for social media. You know, so right. don't try to hold that for yourself. I don't. I've not ever seen a successful entrepreneur really build a following through social media unless they unless they let some other horse out of the gate. Okay. And you could do it for, for so little because the kids swim in those waters anyway. Maybe go to your local art school or say who's already, or maybe your own, you know, friends, your own kids. Who's, who's really, you know, it's amazing what a young mind will do when they have no barriers. So I think you should really let that one go too and take advantage of it. Okay. And I'm letting it go. I'm told I'm, I'm, I'm getting the cutoff. Is it really that fast? <laughs> Very easy to speak to. I really want to go on and on, but I really appreciate you calling. I hope some of that was helpful. It was. Thank you so much. It's Barbara. Just call her. It's Barbara. Hello, this is Barbara. Hey, Barbara. It's Brandy. I have a question dealing with work. I am kind of stressed. Actually, that's an understatement. I am very stressed right now. Um, I just started at a new company, and I absolutely love it, and they've trusted me with a lot of really big responsibilities. And part of my responsibility is, is hiring out talent. Um, and I want to really put a lot of loyalty and trust in the people that I hire out and give them a good opportunity, good chance. But one of those people have not been doing a great job. Um, and that's kind of an understatement. They've, they've really been failing, and I've been trying to help them out. 
I guess my biggest question is to know when to let go of someone and when to keep giving them a chance. And if you should give them a chance, I would love your insights. Um, anyways, love the podcast. Thanks so much. So, Brandy, I understand things have progressed since yes. what's happened. Yeah. So, um, I think I sent that audio in maybe about a week and a half ago. And so, since then, we reached out to the, the manager that we're working with. We hired out um, an offshore call center to help us out with some lead generation. And I've been doing that for about three years. And so, I'm very familiar with it, what our results should be. Uh, when it's scarily low or when it's just, you know, hey, let's just boost in confidence and then we can get our numbers back on track. But this was so bad. Um, to give you an example, um, with their size, they should have been setting about a 15 point appointments a day, but they were setting about two to five appointments a day. So wow. it was pretty bad. That was the first time you had that experience of that happening. Yeah. 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 And there was one time, but we were able in the past when I had worked with other offshore call centers that that had happened, but we resolved it within like a day or two and it was totally good back on track. Um, however, with this call center, what should have been a two day problem turned into a four week problem. Oh and yeah. And so some of the things that I did on my end was I created all of these charts. I was like, okay, in the past when things go wrong, you know, if it's a motivation issue, here's what we can do, whether it's like boost some incentives, message the, the team leads or message everyone, give them some encouragement, or there's technical problems. It's usually one of those two things, like a, a technical issue or some motivation problems. Let me ask you something when you say when that kind of thing happens, and you made some charts, is that a chart for you to sit down with the person and say, hey, this is what has to happen? Or is it a chart to direct other people how to handle the problem? I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure if you're directly involved. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mixture of both. Uh, it was something I created at first for my own clarity, like, hey, what's going on? You know, let's just take a look at it. I sent it with them. It was kind of a collaborative effort so that we could both see, you know, what's going on with the problem. Let's tackle it. Mm. And so that's what I created at first and then created some stuff like, OK, what are technical issues? You know, those are really easy to resolve, mm. um, hopefully sometimes. <laughs> and so but. What eventually happened was, you know, we kept reaching out, trying to get a hold of this manager, and he just kept ghosting us. And for that, for me, that was a sign of, you know what, maybe this is not somebody that we want to partner with. Um, and I did feel really bad because I genuinely treasure the partnerships that we have. I want to make sure that they know that they have our loyalty and trust, but we need something in return. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And so I did start just reaching out, putting my feelers out there, seeing, you know, let's just see what else is out there. We can get somebody else uh, to join our team. And, and that felt like the right decision to do. I just instantly felt a lot more relief once we started our search and started looking for some other people. So we are giving our, our other manager a chance right now. Uh, we gave him some ultimatums like, hey, it, you need to hit these certain metrics within this certain amount of time or we won't be able to move forward with you anymore. Um, but the, the timetable of those metrics would end this week, next week, or two months. How much time would you give him to reach those metrics? Yeah, exactly. So for the metrics, um, we told them that by the end of this week, they need to be sitting, setting a minimum of 10 appointments a day oh. or, yeah, or 
and that's throughout this whole week that they need to be setting 10 appointments a day or else um, we'll probably have to look at rewriting our contracts, doing more of a heavily commission base or something else like that. But, oh, but it, it was. But you're once assuming they don't, I guess you would assume they're not going to hit 10 a day, right? I hope that they can, but I mean, up to this point, they haven't been showing us that they can. So um, my thought is that it, it's probably just going to fizzle out. Okay. Um, if, if they don't reach 10 a day uh, and you hit the end of the week and they're, they haven't reached the goal, the part that um, is disturbing me is the word fizzle out or redo a contract or rewrite the commission basis. It's kind of like trying to soft sell or have a bad situation, have a soft landing, which yeah. is usually not a great landing uh, for the other side, meaning you. Yeah. In other words, you have, you are like bending over backwards. If he doesn't reach those goals, he or they, I'm not sure who these people are. The nouns keep changing. So I'll call them, him, her, they for this argument sake. Okay. When, uh, when they're not reaching their goals, I would put money on that fact. I'd like to be surprised, but let's say they don't. Yeah. Uh, then I think it's very important to have great clarity as to what exactly happens when. I always think before you give goals, it's great to have clarity at that point. Say, if you don't, then we will no longer be employing you as of Monday, the 21st of the month. If you don't, uh, then we are replacing you and we will no longer leave your services. Please leave the key with the receptionist. If you don't, I mean, clarity and conciseness, I think is very important. So it doesn't become another management issue of, oh, how are we going to work this and get out of this when really all you want to do is end it? Yeah, you know, exactly. You, you can't replace him or them or whoever they are. <laughs> you can't replace the center, the center uh, you can't in general. It's the center until. Uh, you're rid of this particular uh, they, right? You have to get rid of, you'd have to get rid of them before you could hire somebody else in the place. Am I right? Um, so what we can actually do is it is okay to have multiple partnerships. And so that's what we're going to do. Yeah. But yeah. Do it's totally normal. Do you want the multiple partnerships or do you want the good partnerships? The good partnerships. Yep. So how will you get rid of the other person? The other group or whatever how would you get rid of them if they don't meet their goals what's the steps to really end it yeah so what we've decided as far as all of that goes is um for the other partnerships to end it's exactly like just putting an ultimatum and we've done that a couple of times and to be honest i don't think they took us very seriously so i think now it needs to be almost contractually based like this is what you need to be at by this time, did that you did that already, right? Yeah. yeah. And we put them on a suspension. Um, and that's kind of what we did with it before was we were like, hey, if you're not hitting these certain targets by this time, we're going to put you on a suspension. So they had their suspension today. They actually start back up again um, from their suspension. And we're hoping that they were able to solve whatever issue it was that they were having, that they were able to find the root cause they they came to us and said hey we were able to find some issues with you know our technical the technical side and everything so we're hoping that they actually did um but again if they don't then i'm confident to move forward and say sorry that's not a partnership that we can move forward with and i think it was kind of hard in the past to end that relationship just because we've invested so much already and with mm -hmm. with them it's like a month and a half um 
at my old job, they used to say, uh, your best hire is the one you already have. And I kind of stood by that a lot. You know, it is expensive to, to start over. And so I didn't really want that. But at the same time, I knew it was more important that we are moving forward, especially so early on with a team that we are confident in. So. Um, a couple of words of advice I could give you. Perhaps uh, you could apply some of it or all of it, I hope. I think the most important thing in getting people to hit targets uh, is the day you hire them. Yeah. When I was hiring agents, commissioned agents, so it was no salary out of my pocket, but a heck of a lot of overhead to support them. But yeah. when I was hiring commission agents, every single person that ever worked for me knew that you have to make your first sale within three months so you can no longer stay here. That's pretty yeah. but they came in with guns ablazing, uh, putting their best foot forward because they felt that timeline. And the truth, the truth of the matter is, if I saw a very talented person who just didn't crack it, but I knew they were doing everything right, and you know when everybody's doing everything right, you see it. Yeah, yeah. I would say, you know what, you're so spectacular. Don't worry about that. We want you to have another month or two because we're totally confident in you. We're going to help you every way we can. That was a really positive platform to come from. And people never disappointed when I gave those extensions. However, on the other side of the equation, when I wasn't clear before I knew about being super, super clear that no one could misinterpret it, a deal's a deal. Three months is always three months. One is always one. You know, when it wasn't super clear for the first one or two years I managed people, I'll tell you, I was always almost custom making an arrangement for each and every person I ever hired. Yeah. It was exhausting and it wasn't productive for the company and it didn't open desks for new talent. Yeah. It was conciseness that got a system going that actually worked. So I think you have to go back to how you hire anybody and be, you made those charts on everything else, how to cure the problem. I think you need something as clear as that going through the first door with the person as to what's expected. Um, I also found it was very helpful for me to have a system in place that had me meet with each person exactly after month one, the 30th or the 31st of the month, whichever the last day of the month was, they were an appointment in my book. How are you doing? What's happening? What could I do? How could you do this? So it was all over them. So by the time the third month came uh, finishing, it they, wasn't a surprise. they fired themselves. I, there were very few people I ever had to fire. They fired themselves because we were so much on the same page, okay? Uh, what yeah. strikes me about you, very similar to me, is I was very young. I don't know how young you are. You look so fresh and young to me. But I 25. was 25, okay. So we were similar ages. I was 23 to 25 or 26 before I really learned how to manage well. Uh, but in those early years, I was half the age of the people I managed. And that was a disadvantage to me. You know, they didn't take me. I wanted to please. I wanted to be respectful because I was raised that way. And all that got in the way until I had my rules. My rules replaced all of that. And then I could just be the fairy godmother and make an exception if I really felt somebody had the talent. I think I would sharpen up the front end. And so far as this company, not the one coming back, I love the idea that you're giving them a second chance, the company coming or the group coming back. But on the one you're wanting to exit, uh, I wouldn't make that ending so clean and short and clear and never look back. I mean, yeah. I always think of firing as charity work, believe it or not, because if someone's working for you and they're not performing, they're miserable. The company's miserable. The manager's miserable. 
Uh, nobody gets anything good out of it. It's not like they grow past it and go well beyond it. They never go anywhere. You're doing people a service saying, this is the wrong combination. You must be phenomenal at something, but it's not here. Here's your bag. What's your hurry? You know, I just think you need clean, cleanliness on the front and the back end. I yeah. Very important. I have a question for you as well. Yes. So I saw one of your posts and I really liked it and I wanted some more clarity because I think it would help with this situation. Mm -hmm. um, you said something like uh, one of the most important uh, traits that you can have as a business owner is being able to identify that good talent or being able to know um, like who to hire. Do you know, would you be able to give me some more insight onto like when you're meeting with someone for the first time, like what about them shouts, this person is going to be great or stick it through? Or how do you identify that talent when first meeting with someone? I'm looking in that person for the same talent that my great people have. So I think the first stop is look at the great people that you adore. You wish you had another 10 of them, just like them and make a list of really what their traits are. For me, they were always the same. For me, it was optimism and enthusiasm, a happy person. I never got anywhere with an unhappy person. I'm sorry. I sweat, beg, borrowed soul for an unhappy person. I never made them happy. I gave up on that. Okay. So they had to be happy. They had to have high energy which comes with a positive attitude. I never met anybody who had a low energy with a positive attitude. It's like one bundle. And for me, what was important in building my business and also in my many businesses that I invest in, they had to be people who were naturally team players, like to hold hands. Not a, You can get a great worker that can't play on a team. You know, they, they, yeah. they're a solo sport. That's who they're good at. And I guess if they're your only person in the bookkeeping department, you could keep them as a solo player, but bookkeeping has to interface with marketing, has to interface with uh, operations. So I would make a short three adjective list of who your best people are, and then only have that in mind as you're listening to them and ask questions to bring that out. Hey, what was the team like where you were working before? Hey, did you do a lot of joint projects? That's easy to mess out, okay? What was your upbringing like? Oh, I had five brothers and sisters. Oh, you know, there's, there's so much you could ask to get that out. The other one would be attitude, energy. I just had a simple test I did. The minute they left my office, I asked myself if I was relieved or happy. And even with somebody who seemed like they had a good attitude, sometimes they left my office, I felt like a little, like a fade. And I paid attention to it because I realized they're a good performer, but that's not a positive attitude. Positive people, you want to be around more. You know, you, you feel good after they leave. They live in a little gush of happiness on their trail. You see what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Then the, then the rest is just asking for the specific talent that you're looking for, the job needs. Like may, I would think in your field, a great phone manner would be yeah. phenomenal. You know, I would not hire somebody just meeting them in person. I'd have a conversation on a phone. Yeah. People come across so different on a phone, I found, you know? So I think knowing what you're hunting for in that instance to your question, I think gets you the answers you want to, and it gets it fast and short versus like, oh, so tell me about that last job. Uh, what were you? I mean, that's all nice if you want to have a cocktail party, but what you're really doing is hunting for the three top traits that you value in your business, which are already on display in the personality of great people you already have. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I like that a lot. I think um, I'm even thinking of things off the top of my head already of like some things that stand out that maybe didn't with this person that we hired already. <laughs> so, yeah. Guess what? You will never make that mistake again. You yeah. really won't because you're too thoughtful 
and it gave you pause for thought, it disturbed you, and you probably gave yourself an F that you couldn't cure the problem. So you yeah. go out of your way not to put yourself in that position again and give yourself a good shot at getting an A on everybody, everybody you hire. You know, you, once you're burnt, you know, that's called experience. <laughs> you get pretty smart, right? Don't oh, definitely. Ruin face over it. Though don't ruin that gorgeous face over this. Any <laughs> ain't worth it. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really welcome. appreciate that. That's some great advice. Thank you, Brandy. Easy to give advice, hard to do. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah. Sure thank you. Hugely successful. I, I can spot a winner when I see one. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot, Barbara. <laughs> Hi, Barbara. My name is Sophia. I am in the middle of finishing my second year of college. I was class of 2020, so I haven't stepped on campus for um, any reasons at all. And I kind of feel like a disconnect, and I, I sometimes feel really lost with myself. And my, I aspire to go to law school um, in the near future, and I know that I would be happy doing that, but I also feel like I have an entrepreneurial bug in me um, as I ventured with in the past and I felt like I could do this um, for the rest of my life on the side of pursuing law. And I would just like your advice for someone who doesn't feel like they have a direct path for um, a specific passion or a passion that they can't seem to to nitpick yet and navigate to find that certain passion. Um, your opinion and your advice would be incredibly valuable, Barbara. Thanks. So you, it fascinates me, your question, Sophia, because you have two pieces that I never see go together. One is an entrepreneurial bug mm -hmm. and the other is going to law school. So right. in a little bit, are you, are you doing something entrepreneurial right now that you're enjoying? Was it, were you referencing something specific? So um, I would say my entrepreneurial journey kicked in the year of 2020 when everything kind of came at a halt and uh, school became online. I got let go of my part time job, so I no longer had that little side income to splurge with my friends. So I really decided to take things into my own hands and I started running a little business where I was washing cars and that eventually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and it transformed into um, auto detailing with um I was a specialization in paint correction. I then got my license uh, to become a certified lash technician. So I really incorporated that into my business and I was called the auto beauty. Um, and then I eventually ventured into customizing charcuterie boards for events, baby showers, date nights, all that stuff. Um, but yeah. So it actually sounds to me, you're blowing me away, by the way. I did not expect that answer. Washing cars, auto detailing, and one other thing with automobiles. Then a lash lashes, a beauty lashes. Were you yeah. putting those on the cars, or that's a separate business? No, I was putting that um, on people, on my clients. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a separate side business. And then you're also doing your third business was what? Uh, charcuterie boards, like fancy cheese boards. There's no relationship between those three businesses whatsoever. Were you doing one at a time, like turning pages in a book, or were you starting each one and continuing to do each one? Um, I started the first two together, and then mm -hmm. eventually I went into the last one. Okay, so you gave up the first two. Why did you give up the first two? Considering uh, I started school full-time again, that was during um, when school was online, and then 
I was on summer break. So then when school began to kick back up, I was my first year of college. So I really had to, you know, fully immerse myself in that. And I realized I didn't have the same time that I did uh, when I first started the auto beauty business. And so I began making the charcuterie boards, but that's the position I'm in now is I don't have that extra time to um, put aside a small business. You have a lot of stuff flying around here. I do. Which of the three businesses did you like best? Um, I would say the auto detailing. Because it seems to be the one that had the most traction and you were, you were developing it. Is that why you liked it best? That, and I, I think that it really gave um, a push to my community around me that uh, young people can do something for themselves and not just young people, but young women. I really enjoyed that aspect of empowering other females my age. And did you employ other women to help you with that business? Um, I was eventually, but I did not end up doing it. And when you left it, did it cross your mind that you could give it to someone else or sell it or work in concert with someone else to continue it? It's almost hurting me hearing that you gave it up. Yeah, no, I never, it never crossed my mind, actually. Mm -hmm. So you figured you had to be fully dedicated to school or fully dedicated to the car business? Yes. Mm -hmm. And why did you give up the charcuterie boards? Because again, you started school full time and you knew you wouldn't have the time to do it. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> do you have any time while you're in school to do anything on the side or is it, are you an easy student? Um, easy as in I maintain easy. my grades. You can do things fast or do you, do you really have to focus and study to get a good grade? It really depends on the subject, but for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering with your inclination to an entrepreneurship three times in a row, uh, why you couldn't keep the charcuterie business or the lash business. I could see that happening really. Mm -hmm. uh, keep it going on the side. Why, why the need to chop them all, all three businesses off? I felt that, it showed that if I couldn't just stick to all of them or just one, I would love to, I would love to just be able to balance them all out. But I know that sometimes that's not always the case, mm -hmm. but I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't do it well if I wasn't fully immersed in just it. Okay. So you, you got to know yourself, what it takes to succeed with a business. You have to do it full time or you're not going to succeed in it. Okay. You've probably learned more about business in your side ventures than most people at Harvard learn in business school or the important lessons, you know, you even on that first business remarkably switched from offering one service to two to three. And I think I maybe even heard a fourth in there. Right. Um, why law though? This, this is the other question I have. It seems like so different than building a business. Why law? What, what's your interest there? Something has always really intrigued me in, in government classes. I've always excelled and I always loved speech and debate. Um, and all my professors and teachers have told me that I would make a great lawyer. And my mom works in the law field herself. And she's always telling me, um, all the lawyers remind me of you, all the new ones that just came out of school. And it really warms my heart. And I feel like I, that's something that would fulfill me a lot. I think you should make it your charge uh, to get a few jobs in a few law firms, all right? Okay. Uh, the reason I say that is you've tried on the entrepreneurship. You know what it's like. You've done it. You know you could do it again. If you fully focused on something, you'd probably be very successful because you had running starts in all three of them, especially the first one, and you succeeded. 
but you have no experience in the law field. And I always find that many women or young men that want to be attorneys very often have a parent who's an attorney, which makes me suspicious. Okay. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be or your parents pushing it on you, but you're greatly influenced by what your parents do. If you had a parent instead, if your mom was an entrepreneur in a car business, uh, chances are very much you'd spin in that direction. Likelihood. Okay. It's just a natural thing that happens, but I love uh, the, the person, the child that finds their own, that knows it's their own and knows they chose it. So now you've dipped your left foot in the entrepreneurial waters. I think it's time for you to grab some kind of a part-time job through hella high water, through the summers, find a way, which I'm sure you can proven that uh, to uh, get into that field a little bit to see if you really like it before you dedicate uh, all those years to law school, which is uh, for most young people in New York, I don't know if this is true uh, uh, everywhere, but for most young people in New York who dedicate themselves to law school, they, they come out and they don't like being an attorney. And it's such an expensive time consuming uh, and money churning up expense. It's crazy and it hurts me when that happens. I have a law degree that I used for three months and didn't like it. Okay. Right. So I think you should uh, do uh, tip your hat to law in the same way you tip your hat to entrepreneurship and try it on. Try it on. Find a way to try it on, and then decide which you like better. I can tell you something: you make a great entrepreneur, and that's coming from the mom who isn't your mom who's an entrepreneur. <laughs> and there's such a need for more female entrepreneurs that empower the women. And if you can get a female team working for you, as I did for many years before I even had a guy even want to work for me. The power you get from that and the satisfaction is amazing. It's like going to heaven and coming back. And it gets you through a lot of bad times, you know? Yeah. So, so I, I ask you to just try on the law thing. Find a way. Not working for your mother, by the way. That's okay. not, a test. not a real test. Everybody will treat you well because you're your mother's daughter. That's not a test. Right. That? Yes, I can. You don't have a problem. You seem like you're 35 years old. <laughs> I hear I that all the time. Yeah, it's a great compliment. Your feet are on the ground. And I'm sure you already know you could do whatever you want. But I would like to see if you like the law piece before you go down that path. Because you could build three businesses in the time you could be in law school. You could be making more money than you'd pay in tuition in law school. Okay. And I'd like to see you tempted if you're not crazy about law. Nice Thank to meet you, Sophia. You too. Have a lovely Bye. day. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.